We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. It is officially week one. The Chicago Bears will be kicking off the 2020 season on Sunday in Detroit. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Lemming, and we're here to break down everything about the Bears' week one opponent in the Detroit Lions and a little bit on the quarterback competition. Aaron, did you have a good uh, Labor Day weekend, man? You know, I did, up until I got sunburned and then uh... – I, for whatever reason, apparently I just have terrible genetics and ended up getting this thing called Hell's Itch. I don't know if you ever heard of that or not. Um, but it basically, like, when you get a sunburn, obviously, you know, it burns the skin or whatever. And then when it heals, it's supposed to send, like, the receptors back to your brain are supposed to send, like, itches. And unfortunately, it's like 10% of people who get sunburn get it. And apparently, I'm one of them. This happened, like, three different times to me. And it basically, instead of sending itch receptors back to your brain and you feeling itches, you feel like somebody's stabbing you with needles. So, yeah, I've been dealing with that the last two days. But other than that, I mean, pretty good. I mean, it's I'm just glad football season's around. And I think the majority of this stuff with the sunburn is behind me, thank God. So, I mean, I'm just ready to watch football and hopefully I'm ready to be able to, you know, kind of talk some crap on Sunday after the game to all the Lions fans that have been my mentions for the last few months. Yeah, I've never had that. I've had some really bad uh, sunburns and some sun poisoning. Uh, that's led to like dehydration, but that does sound like hell. Uh, nonetheless, it is football. We're back week one. Uh, as I mentioned, the Bears are in Detroit this week to kind of kick things off. The season officially gets started Thursday with um, Houston at Kansas City. And then the full slate of games on Sunday with kind of a mixed, you know, some fans will be in the stands at some games. And, you know, for the Bears in Detroit, there will be no fans in the stands. So it'll be kind of interesting to watch that throughout the league. But, yeah, man, I am so glad football's back. And it just feels good. There's a full – not a full slate, but there's a big slate of college football games on Saturday as well so it's like we're back to our fall routine now and even though it's not you know full every conference is playing in college football and then we have the Sunday NFL still feels good to have something to talk about speaking of something to talk about Aaron we have some more quarterback talk uh headed our way here and the last time we you and I did a podcast the starter was not revealed 
that has officially changed. We're going to get into that. I want to hit our first break of the show really quick. We're going to get into the quarterback talk and break down Bears at Lions week one. Let's hit our first break. We'll do that right after this. Every day can bring changes, challenges, and opportunities that can also change your personal or business financial goals and priorities. As a true partner, Sandy Spring Bank can make it all a bit easier. Someone who really listens, understands, and then creates solutions in hard times and good times. We'll always strive to be your advocate today and every day. That's real banking for real life and real business. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real member FDIC. Welcome back in here to the Bearport Podcast. So, Aaron, as I said, Mitch Trubisky is the guy. It leaked out Friday, let's say Friday night-ish, um, with a couple of national reports that you know Trubisky was going to be the number one quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And then Matt Nagy confirmed that on Sunday. I'm a little shocked. I thought it would be Nick Foles. I didn't think either guy had a good training camp uh, throughout the offseason. But now that I think of it, man, I, I really do think not having that true – you know, off season of competition actually did hurt Foles in a way. And is it, you know, it, while Mitchell Trubisky didn't look great, you have to give him credit, I guess, for going out there and winning the job. Well, my, my thing is this, I'm, I was honestly shocked as well because, you know, it just, it, this is, this is my logic. I mean, I've kind of explained it. My whole thing is, is if you were going with familiarity with a guy like Foles, and that was your main thing, your main drive with him. And, you know, because there was going to be basically, you know, with COVID and stuff going on, they didn't know if they're going to be able to, you know, do any sort of off-season activities in person, blah, blah, blah. If that was the case, then why didn't you go out and get somebody better? That, that's kind of the main question to me because here's the thing. Like, all of your guys' reports, every single one of you guys' reports basically kept talking about the quarterback competition has been bad. You know, people are concerned about the quarterbacks. It's not looking good. It's like, okay, so Trubisky's the tallest midget. Okay, that's fine. But, again, it goes back to, you know, and this isn't to take anything away from Trubisky. He won the competition. And, and again, I've said this multiple times, and so somehow people still don't see it or hear it that I say it. I hope like hell that Trubisky comes out, plays well, and is there the quarterback that they drafted him to be or somewhere close to it where the Bears have a franchise quarterback? I hope to hell that happens. I'm just not sold it's going to. But again, the question that keeps coming back into my head is if Foles was the guy that was supposed to have the best opportunity to come in and learn the offense with the shortened offseason and all this other stuff, obviously we didn't know that there wasn't going to be any sort of off-season activity until training camp. But I think at that point, we had a pretty good idea going into free agency that COVID was just getting going. We didn't even know if the season was going to happen at that point. So I think everybody kind of had an idea that the off-season was going to be much different than before. So my whole thing is if Foles, who already knew the offense, comes in and performs at a subpar level close to Trubisky and they're not comfortable enough to go with Foles, then what was the point of all this? What was the entire point of signing Nick Foles with him having the familiarity? Why didn't Ryan Pace be more patient and wait for a guy like Cam Newton or a guy like Andy Dalton to get released? You know, why wasn't he more aggressive on somebody else? It just it, It's one of those things where – and it's interesting because I, I read all you guys' reports. I saw them. I've talked to you multiple times. We've talked about it on the podcast. Neither one of these QBs look good. And then all of a sudden the entire narrative has changed – where Trubisky all of a sudden, you know, improved in quite a few areas and looks like a, you know, a different quarterback. And it's like, but the reality is, is the, the Bears are putting a bow tie on 
crap right now is, is really what it comes down to, at least in terms of the performance of the two quarterbacks. And again, that, I mean, it just is what it is. I was wrong about Foles and that sucks because really what this is coming down to is neither quarterback played well in the shortened training camp that they had. And now by default, they're going to go with the guy that they spent a number two overall pick on. And now they're going to bench the guy that they traded away a fourth round pick for and gave $21 million guaranteed to. It's just, you look at this and it's just a pile and pie and it's starting to pile high of decisions that Ryan Pace has made as the general manager, especially at the quarterback position that have just been giant wastes of resources. And again, it just, I keep coming back to why weren't you more patient if, you know, if, if Foles was the best you can do, okay, that's fine. But he wasn't the best that they could do. I mean, if you look at a Cam Newton didn't sign until what was it May and he won the job um, uh, and you know, it's like Andy Dalton would have been a starter on almost any other team. He just simply wanted to come home and play in Dallas because by that point, everybody had already signed somebody and he knew that his, you know, basically his best situation would be going back to Dallas and playing close to home. I get that. But if the bears wouldn't have jumped the gun on a trade for Foles, we all knew who Foles was. We, we talked about this on the podcast. We talked about him as an option before the Bears traded for him. We talked about it after. He's always been an underwhelming option. And it's very unfortunate because you look around this roster and the Bears have some talent. They, they really do. And yet we've got this quarterback situation that, I mean, the competition is quote-unquote over for the time being. But, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, I'm, I'm sure either quarterback is going to be on a short leash. And now you got another situation, which I'm sure we're going to get into later, going back to Ryan Pace's decisions, where you're seeing all these receivers and all these running backs and all these different guys getting contract extensions, and Allen Robinson's just sitting there. The Bears are killing themselves right now. It's like I understand that their their cap situation is not at what it should have, you know, it's not in a good position. I understand that. But letting your best offensive player play out on a contract year, I understand that they can use the franchise tag next year, but this just – there's so many things right now that don't make sense. And in hindsight, looking back at this offseason, some of the moves that Ryan Pace made made it seem like they were going for it this year, that they felt that they had enough in Nick Foles to where Trubisky didn't take a huge step, which by all accounts, he did not take a huge step. He may have taken small steps, but he didn't take that big step that you want to see out of a fourth-year quarterback. And Ryan Pace goes out makes all these moves. He signs a close to a 30-year-old Robert Quinn, and spends money and other resources, and yet here we are, and the quarterback situation, at least on paper, moving into week one is no better than it was going into the offseason. That is a real shame considering where the division's at. It's just the whole thing, and again, it's not anything against Trubisky. It's just looking at the decisions that Ryan Pace has made and, and compounding everything just from this one offseason alone, and it's like if things really blow up, I mean, this is going to look really, really damn ugly. Yeah, I mean, not to mention you trade the fourth-round pick for Foles. You signed him to the, kind of the extension, and you brought him in to compete and essentially be that starting quarterback. And I'm with you, man. It's you know They had other options. There was a report that Teddy Bridgewater didn't really want to come in and compete against Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you know, Cam Newton was still out there. He wasn't signed until a few months into free agency. He was a lot cheaper as well on that one-year flyer that he got from um, the uh, New England Patriots, it, it, it's, it's kind of shocking. I am still a little shocked. I thought it was Foles' job to lose. I thought Trubisky had to go out there and really show improvement in decision-making, um, show improvement in his mechanics, you know, getting his feet set, not throwing off his back foot. And watching him, you know, there were days that he won – out there in practice there were also days that Nick Foles won out there in practice I think I don't have it on me but I think when I charted it I had it um very close it was Foles I think five to four or something close to that 
But there was nothing really that showed me from either quarterback that we should feel confident in this in that race and in either quarterback going into the season. I still think we'll see both quarterbacks play. I think it's either going to be an injury or poor play from Trubisky. They'll probably force Matt Nagy's hand on Nick Foles. And let's be clear, I mean, he's got a short leash. If things start to go south this team, you know, Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky's not playing well. The Bears aren't going to wait. You know, last season – they couldn't really pull him because you couldn't really trust Chase Daniel to come in and win some games, and somehow the Bears were kind of in it until those final couple of weeks, so the Bears really couldn't pull Mitchell Trubisky. You know, if it's week four and the Bears are maybe hovering around, or week five and they're hovering around two and two, and Trubisky's playing really poor, maybe he's won you a game, but he's also cost you a game or two, and the defense has won you the other game, I think Matt Nagy will pull him and go right to Nick Foles and hope for a spark. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, but yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a weird scenario right now because obviously, you know, the best case scenario for the Bears is Mitch Trubisky plays very well this season and they tag him and he has to prove it again next season while you draft a quarterback in 2021. That's the absolute best case scenario. I don't think anyone can deny that. Problem is, how likely is that? Well, and that's the, the, and that's the thing, right, where – it's just, again, but even you're talking about, you know, you talk about the quick hook and it's like, okay, so let's just say, hypothetically speaking, Trubisky comes out and granted by all, by all accounts, I'm picking the Bears and obviously we'll get into that, but I'm picking the Bears to win this weekend because Trubisky plays good against the Lions. I'm not discounting, I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and play bad against the Lions, but let's just hypothetically say he goes out and has a horrible first half against the Lions. They're kind of still in the game. And they make the you know they they make the transition or even let's just say he has a bad first game and then they go, they make the move or you know a game or two later that right there reflects on the wrong decision right out of the gate and whether it was the wrong decision to pick up Nick Foles because he's simply not any better or whether it was the wrong decision to default it to Trubisky because the play was so close and so poor and you know or mediocre I guess I should say that that's the thing is it's just it's a situation right now where you're looking at. Regardless, unless Trubisky somehow comes out, and it could happen, I hope to hell it happens because this this changes the entire outlook of the Bears and what they're doing right now because let's just be honest here. I mean, if they have to go for another quarterback, considering what their cap situation is at and some of the decisions that they're going to have to make, they're going to be in for a minor retool within the next year or two because their cap situation is just not in a good place. And that was before all the COVID stuff happened. Now we're talking about maybe the cap dropping down to, you know, 175 million and it was at hundred and almost 199 this year. So it's, it's one of those situations where the bears are in a spot where the best possible scenario would be Trubisky plays so well that you say, okay. And in worst case you tag him. But then again, with Allen Robinson situation, what do you do with Allen Robinson? Can you afford Allen Robinson? The more likely situation is, Trubisky, if, if Trubisky holds on to the job, Trubisky plays well enough, and they say, okay. And like you said, they go out and draft a quarterback. But again, and this is kind of my concern with this type of scenario, is I don't want to see the Bears get locked into a Blake Bortles-type situation where you have a guy that was up and down, up and down. They declined his fifth-year option. He goes into year four. He plays lights out. Nobody was expecting Jacksonville to do what they did. He played pretty damn well. They had a really good running game. It was kind of smoke and mirrors. And all of a sudden, they gave him that extension, and then he fizzled out the next year. And then all of a sudden, you've got Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew are your two quarterbacks. I mean, that's the kind of situation that if the Bears are not careful and they don't have real conviction and they don't make the right decision – coming up this offseason again I know we haven't gotten in the season yet but this is huge in a lot of ways because this is really gonna this is going to mold 
how the Bears move into 2021 and beyond. Because like I said, we could be looking at a situation where if Trubisky puts it together, you figure out the money situation, you figure out how to do things, and if Trubisky's the guy, then he's the guy, and all of a sudden you got your quarterback, and a lot of things are figured out at that point. But the more likely scenario is that the Bears are still going to be looking for a quarterback next year. And depending on how this goes, and depending on how good or bad this decision looks, I mean, let's just say it looks bad. I mean, they have a pretty favorable start to the season within the first five or six games where I think they need to be, let's just say the first six games, they should probably be four and two. If they're four and two, they're in good shape. If they're three and three, they're going to be right on the edge. If they're two and four, they the ship has probably already sunk at that point. But again, you're at a situation where in a very best case scenario, Trubisky's your quarterback. Um, there's no doubt. It's kind of like maybe a Kyle Fuller situation where, you know, going into year four, it didn't look like he was going to be the guy. He balled out, you know, lights out. They tagged him, then they ended up getting, you know, a transition tagged him, then they ended up getting the deal done because of the Packers. Obviously, it wouldn't be quite that situation. Or on the entire other end of the spectrum, you have a situation where this all blows up. Neither quarterback is good. They suck. They go, you know, they win four or five games. And now you're evaluating everything. You're evaluating the coaching staff. You're evaluating Ryan Pace. You know, do you really want to give Ryan Pace another crack at the quarterback when all three of the quarterbacks that he has added um, in terms of having starter aspirations or whatever have absolutely flopped? Again, worst case scenario. And then, But that's, that's what we're looking at right now where it's, this is such a crucial decision and this is such a crucial time for the Bears. And, you know, it's like we watched them go through this rebuild we watched them build everything up we watched the the 12 and 4 season and everything end on you know really just kind of bad luck with the Cody Parkey thing and then all of a sudden last year they're down I mean this is a defining year for the Bears because unlike teams like the Vikings who took in my opinion a very smart approach to this offseason they let some veterans go they shed some money they did some things that maybe a contending team wouldn't do but they also built towards a future they had a lot of picks they made a lot of picks they're in pretty decent situation with the cap. Not great, but they're in decent situation, and they got a lot of young guys that they'll be able to rely on for the next three or four years. Even if it doesn't produce a 10 or 11 win season this season, they're still shaped pretty well for the future versus the Bears where, I mean, their cap outlook, especially without a quarterback, having to rely on another rookie quarterback and having to pay guys and keep guys around him for proper development – this is this is huge. I mean, this just isn't the quarterback situation. It's not just because, you know, I'd be saying the same exact thing if Foles won. It, the, the reality is neither one of these quarterbacks were good. This is coming from you. This is coming from anybody that was in camp. Neither one of these guys were good. If, if anything, they were mediocre. They may have had their moments. But at the same time, the Bears are in a position right now where the NFC North is not that good. They should have. They should still stand a chance. I don't know where to put them out at this point in time. I, I think it's one of those situations where it's really hard to kind of figure it out. But it's, it's all going to be reliant on the offense again. It's all going to be reliant on the quarterback again. And how many changes, real changes, did they make with the coaching staff, you know, receivers, tight ends, quarterback, running back, all that? Is it going to be enough to make them a contender again? And I just don't know that it is enough. And, again, this is the first real big gamble that the Bears are going to take one way or another. And I think Trubisky was the bigger gamble because we saw what he was last year. They brought in the guy and they, you know, they traded away a fourth round pick. They gave him $21 million guaranteed to be a backup is really what this is coming down to right now. And here we are. I mean, this is, this is going to be the defining, in my personal opinion, this is going to be the defining moment because I don't think things are going to middle. I think it's going to go south in a hurry or the Bears are, you know, going to have one of those seasons where you look back and you're like, wow, why did, why did I ever, why was I ever not sure about that team? But 
it's a it's a tough situation, and there's there's only a few ways it can go, and a lot of the ways it can go feel pretty extreme at this point. Yeah, it's just it's just not a good situation for the Bears to be in. And when that news broke, man, it was it was kind of like I don't know, it was weird on Twitter because I had people in my mentions. You saw, I mean, there's people all over Twitter, not just me that oh, but all the reports saying Trubisky had a bad camp. Just because someone wins a job doesn't mean they had a great camp. It does not mean that Mitchell Trubisky looked good in camp because he didn't. Nick Foles didn't look good in camp either. I just I don't know where the disconnect is there, how people think just because you win something means you're great. It, that's not how it is. Like I said, man, I had Foles 5-4. I know a couple other reporters had Foles winning by one day. But all of us – all of us said, you know, there's other factors going to be in with, with the coaches. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And all of us also said that neither looked good. And if neither looked good, it probably was going to go to Mitchell Trubisky in a way just because, you know, Matt Nagy is, I guess, more familiar with them. But then it goes back to the short leash thing and all that. It was just wild to see. It's like, I don't know, it's always a battle. It's just there's Trubisky truthers out there. There's, you know, people that, that really criticize Mitchell Trubisky. You know, this kind of feels like in a way where it's kind of getting to, but uh, not at that level just yet. It kind of feels like the whole Jay Cutler thing all over again. Even though Jay Cutler, I think, is a more talented quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky has done a lot more, honestly, in my opinion. It just kind of feels that way that you either you either love Mitchell Trubisky or you hate Mitchell Trubisky. And I think Friday night and over the weekend kind of really brought that out um, in, a, in a lot of Bears fans. That's enough quarterback talk, Aaron. That, that, that's a lot of stuff we had on the quarterback. Let's move into um, Allen Robinson. I know you touched on it a little bit, but we're going to get into Allen Robinson. I want to hit our second break of the show. We still got to talk. Allen Robinson and the Bears week one preview against Detroit. We'll be right back after. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. And Aaron, let's uh, get back into things here. Another big storyline over the weekend, and mainly because Ryan Pace did meet the media on Monday, was the contract status for Allen Robinson. He's going into the final year of his deal he signed back in 2018. He's yet to be signed, and you're seeing all these players get these extensions. It's kind of just been, you know, um, it's kind of been just a flurry of moves. The latest, DeAndre Hopkins, who got a really, really good deal, um, an extension with the Arizona Cardinals. And impressively enough, he pretty much negotiated that all by himself. So that was that was pretty impressive. But we're sitting here as Bears fans and people that cover the team, and we're thinking – where the hell is the Allen Robinson news? I thought this would be done by now. I know Ryan Pace likes to wait until late in the offseason to get a move done. And, and frankly, you know what? It could happen in the next couple of days here before week one. But listening to Ryan Pace yesterday, he said, we really feel like this week isn't a hard deadline. He sounded pretty confident they're going to go into week one with Allen Robinson going into the final year of his deal. And Allen Robinson also met the media on Tuesday and was asked about it you know, shocker. And he kind of, you know, had the same stance. It's really not on me. I have really, I'm, my focus is on the game right now. I'm focusing on other things. The bears really haven't approached me for a contract extension. What the hell are the bears doing? Again? I mean, it's, it's, this has been one of those off season for Ryan Pace where you look back and you're just like, what? And if it works, it works, but it's like, what are you doing? What are you like? And that's, that's the thing is, 
you know, he sits there and he talks about and he says, okay, well, you know, even with a lower cap or potential lower cap and everything else that's going on, it's not going to um, keep us from doing what we need to do. Okay, that's fine. So then sign Allen Robinson. That's your best offensive weapon. And that's and then, and here's the reality of the situation is that you have a guy in Anthony Miller who's going into year three who has all the potential in the world but hasn't consistently put it together and hasn't consistently been able to stay healthy with that shoulder. You look at the rest of what you have, um, whether you say running back, you know, David Montgomery is hurt right now. He has not been, you know, he's not proven. Tariq Cohen's probably your second best offensive player. I mean, he obviously had a down year last year, and I think a lot of it had to do with the tight end. Again, he's a free agent too. It's it's coming down to, again, one of those situations where you've got all the, this money sunk in on the defensive side of the ball. You've got money sunk in on the offensive side. Uh, on the offensive line, you've you've got money sunk in a tight end. I mean, they can do some maneuvering and they can get down. But again, I, when you look at the more likely scenario of Allen Robinson going into week one and the, the season, playing out the season, and the last year of his deal, okay, yeah, the Bears can tag him. But again, the, part of the the situation with Allen Robinson and getting a deal done now is that you can put some of that money on the 2020 books and you can kind of help yourself and you can kind of spread everything out and maybe go lighter in 2021 and 20, maybe even 2022. And then, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you have a lot more flexibility getting a deal done now than you would getting a deal done, uh, you know, next off season. And again, I mean, just look at, some of the deals that have been signed, Keenan Allen is one of them. Uh, there, Kenny Galladay, there's rumors that he's going to be getting a new deal. DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, there's there's all sorts of guys out there signing deals right now, and you're sitting there looking. Even look at the Amari Cooper deal. They got $20, $20 million a year, you know, and I think it was over 60% guaranteed. Allen Robinson's still in the prime of his career. I, I, don't, I don't understand what the holdup is here, and – Robinson can say whatever he wants. He, you know, he was asked today in the presser about some of the the cryptic tweets that he tweeted out. I mean, he can say he's subtweeting other people. The reality is, he is subtweeting other people, and he's subtweeting Ryan Pace right now. I mean, Allen Robinson has been very, very vocal about wanting to be a Bear for the rest of his career, and maybe that's not overly realistic because we know how guys fall off and they, you know, they become too expensive, and then you cut them, and they try to make it work with another team. But you still have Allen Robinson in his prime. He's produced. He's one of the better receivers in the league. If you look at the numbers he's put up with the quarterback play that he's had, it just doesn't make any sense. You cannot go into the same situation that you did with Alshon Jeffrey a few years ago. And I know some people say, well, yeah, the Eagles are looking to cut Jeffrey. They're looking to trade him. Yeah, but that's multi-years into the deal. That's going to happen. The, the reality is, is Alshon Jeffrey was a big part of their Super Bowl run. He was also a big part of their playoff run the next year. It's, it's one of those situations where, regardless of how you want to cut it, the Bears let a homegrown talent, Alshon Jeffrey, go. And I understand that was a, a Phil Emery move. But he still let him walk out the door. You can't make that. You cannot make that mistake again. You just. You simply cannot make that mistake again. Um, and this just. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I understand that money is going to be tight, and again, that kind of plays in the quarterback situation. It kind of goes back to why are you guaranteeing twenty-one million dollars to a backup quarterback when you don't have that kind of cap space? But then you look at Allen Robinson, and you can't get him. You can't get him extended before the season starts. I just. To me, that's a recipe for disaster, and it's one of those things where it's easier to say it in the moment when you know the emotions are higher, but you're running a higher risk of messing up that relationship to where even if he gets tagged next year, maybe he doesn't want to sign the next year after that, and then he's off somewhere else. He's still going to be 29 years old when that happens. He's still going to be in the prime of his career. It makes more sense from a financial standpoint with being able to do what they can do with the cap to get a deal done now 
move some of that money into this year, be able to kind of, you know, mess with things a little bit. So that way it doesn't hurt you too much and go from there. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I know some people think that Allen Robinson's replaceable and maybe, you know, some people think he's a little overrated, but when you look at the production and what he's done with a quarterback play that he has had over his entire career, in my opinion, he is one of the top 15 receivers in this league and the bears need to get a deal done with him. It's just that simple. Yeah, you don't you don't want to hit that worst case scenario of of you know other receivers getting more money with deals over the next couple of months, and then Allen Robinson has a big year, and all of a sudden you're going to be paying a lot more than what you could get him for right now. I'm totally in agreement. I think they should lock him up right now, get a deal done, extend him, keep him here for the long term. He's a guy. He said multiple times that he wants to be in Chicago. He can see himself playing the rest of his career here. That's not what Elshon Jeffrey was saying. Elshon Jeffrey has pretty much had one foot out the door anyway. He was going to leave no matter what, um, even if the Bears offered a monster contract to him. It, it, this is not the same situation, and I'm in agreement with you. It's, you cannot let this happen. You know, Ryan Pace has made some good moves in terms of not extending players or not picking up the option. You know, worked out well with Kyle Fuller. Um, Bryce Callahan was another guy. Cameron Meredith was another guy that made the right call on. But this, letting Allen Robinson walk after this year or letting him even touch free agency would just be a total disaster. He's by far your best player on offense right now. You have to lock up, and he's still young. I, I, I think a lot of people forget exactly you know, just how young he really is. It's not like he's you – know, he is a veteran in this league, but it's not like he is you know, a, a 31, 32-year-old veteran. He's 27 years old. He just turned 27 um, ahead of this season. So – I'm with you, man, because you, you watch the stuff, and Robinson can say, yeah, you know, it's not, um, it's not tweeting anyone, blah, 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 this stuff. It, it certainly is. He knows what he's doing, and, and I believe him. I think that the Bears are the ones that are not making this move, and his, his camp saying, hey, come to us. Why should we have to come to you? You want us to touch the free agent market? We will. And, you know, just kind of thinking about our conversation here with the quarterback and all the money tied up that the Bears have, there's a very realistic possibility this thing goes extremely south this season. And I know the NFL is a year-to-year league. Um, you know, they always have the, the worst-to-first team. Probably happen again this season. There's a chance that this thing goes really south this season and both quarterbacks stink. You know, the Bears maybe finish 4-12, and 5-11. and 11. They're not in position to draft Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. You know, they'd have a top 10 pick and things just, things just go wrong. Maybe Allen Robinson's not extended and he leaves. I mean, that's just worst case scenario because then you're looking at another complete rebuild. You're looking, you have money on Akeem Hicks, you have money on Cleo Mack, you're going to have money on, on Nick Foles. It's, that's worst case scenario, but the more and more this drags out and with the quarterback decision, the decisions that Ryan Pace has made this past offseason, I feel like that is just absolute worst case scenario, but it's starting to kind of creep into my mind more and more that this whole thing could just be completely blown up after this year. Well, and that's kind of the thing, right? And obviously this is the more optimistic viewpoint of the extreme, but when you look at it, let's just say Trubisky has a huge season and maybe the bears aren't ready to give him that long-term deal yet. And they want to tag him. You can't tag two players. You just can't do it. So then all of a sudden you're faced between tagging Trubisky or ta- tagging Robinson, and it's like you obviously – it's kind of one of those things that goes hand in hand. You need, you know, a top-end receiver for, you know, a growing quarterback and a developing quarterback and, you know, vice versa. It's like, you you know, you need that quarterback for that receiver. So it's one of those situations. And, again, 
even looking at, let's just say, the Bears bomb this year and neither quarterback works out. I mean, Foles is going to be on the roster next year just because of the kind of money that he got. Um, but, you know, even as a backup or, you know, stopgap start or whatever, kind of like a Mike Lennon type situation, if the Bears have to go out and draft a quarterback, do we really want to see the same situation that we saw Trubisky in with John Fox where he had no receivers? His best receiver was Kendall Wright. Do we really, really want to go back to that? I mean, that's, and that's, but that's where things could end up trending. I mean, obviously we got to see what happens with Anthony Miller, but it's just a situation where you have to keep your best offensive players. There's just no way around that. You, you make it work. Jimmy Graham's cuttable after this year. Charles Leno's cuttable after this year. Bobby Massey's cuttable after this year. Like you, and that's the other thing too. I mean, when was the last time the bears drafted an offensive tackle? Have they even, well, I guess outside of Lachavia Simmons, but it's like, when have they drafted an offensive tackle somewhat high. I mean, they've gone guard. Or one that's, okay, that's you know, been NFL ready. Exactly. And that's the thing. So it's like, there's multiple layers to this where Ryan's pace's decisions are finally starting to pile on. And who knows, like I said, I mean, if they go 11 and five, 12 and four and, and Trubisky's all of a sudden the guy, or maybe even Foles is the guy, then you say, okay, you let Trubisky walk if Foles is the guy. And you say, you know, we got him under, you know, pretty cheap control for two more years and we're going to draft a quarterback this year. We're going to spend some resources there and we're going to, you know, we're going to figure it out. We're going to develop it. Okay, fine. But again, the more likely scenario is that things aren't going to trend in the playoff direction, especially with the way the quarterback thing has gone during camp. And you're looking at a situation where even if they're a middling team, let's just say they're seven and nine. Ryan Pace isn't going anywhere. Matt Nagy isn't going anywhere. Maybe Trubisky isn't your quarterback, but then you've got to figure out what it, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to pay Allen Robinson? What are you going to do at quarterback? You know, is, is Nick Foles going to be good enough to kind of be that stop gap and give you a chance to win? Or are you, you know, it, are you going to make another franchise altering trade? Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, it's like they just, this will be 2021 will be the first year that they've had a, a first round pick in two years. So it's one of those situations where it's like, you can't, you can't keep kicking the can down the line at some point in time, everything comes back to the quarterback. And, you know, I, I have a feeling if they were more confident in their quarterback situation, I don't think this Allen Robinson thing would be quite where it's at right now, but either way, regardless of the quarterback situation, Allen Robinson needs to be extended and the bears need to get it figured out. Yeah, I'm with you. It's just a little disappointing listening to the press conferences over the the past couple of days and the Allen Robinson, Robinson situation. I'm sorry, too many S's there. And let's hit our final break of the show. We'll come back and we'll preview week one at Detroit and then wrap things up. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And welcome back in here to the Bear Report Podcast. So Aaron, let's get right into it, man. Week one, the Bears are on the road. No fans in the stands in Detroit on Sunday. And looking at the Bears and Lions in the past two seasons, the Matt Nagy era, the Bears have done really well against the Lions, 4-0 under Matt Nagy, two um, wins on Thanksgiving in Detroit, and then two home wins as well. But 
during the span, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky's played pretty well. I believe he's played in three of the four games um, that they've had so far. He missed the Thanksgiving game in 2018 with his shoulder injury. He's played pretty well, and, and wide receiver Anthony Miller's played pretty well, um, especially in that last Thanksgiving game. And then even talk about that, Roquan Smith had a career game there. I think it was like 15, 16 total tackles. I'm going into this, you know, pretty optimistic. I think the Bears are going to win, obviously, and I think they are the better team. I think the Lions, when you look at them, they've played well in their week, you know, early weeks over the past couple of years under Matt Patricia, but then they kind of fizzle out late in the season. I just think the Bears are a better team going into this game. I don't think the Lions have done enough um, this past offseason to really move the needle for them. I think, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, Anthony Miller had a great quote today when he was asked about, um, why the Bears play so well against or has success against the Lions, including himself, uh, the past couple of seasons. He said, you know, he just thinks that the Bears match up well against what they do defensively. He doesn't think their defensive scheme is, you know, anything special or, or anything like that. It just thinks the Bears actually do match up very well and take advantage of what the Lions are throwing at them and watching those games. I mean, Lions primarily are running man against Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, and it's allowed Trubisky to kind of read the defense a little better and make some throws. I think we'll see the same of that. I, I, Matt Patricia is not really a guy that strikes me he's going to change up many things, uh, especially going into week one. Well, here's the thing. I mean, when you look at the Lions and the Bears, I mean, Matt Patricia and Matt Nagy were hired the same year. Matt Patricia is 0-1-1 in week one games, and Matt Nagy's 0-2 in, in week one games. I mean, something's got to give there, you would think. Hopefully not another tie, because I don't know how I'd react to that. But this is a game that, again, like you pointed out, the, the Lions did – a few nice things this year. Um, but at the same time, then you look at some of the things that they, you know, the, it's one of those situations where it's kind of a game of checks and balances, right? They go out and, you know, they, they, I, I thought they had a pretty good draft. Um, I think when you look at, you know, getting rid of Darius Slay, that was always going to be kind of a situation where, you know, you're getting rid of one of the best corners in the league. I don't care who they drafted to replace him, which was Jeff Okuda didn't matter at that point. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's going to be nearly impossible to replace that production. And there's some talk and who knows, it may just be gamesmanship that Akuda may not even be the week one starter uh, at corner. I and mean, that's obviously a big, big advantage for the bears, but you look at it overall and just some of the moves that Detroit has made. Um, I don't think they got a ton better. I mean, they, they added a little bit more on the edge. Um, their linebackers, in my opinion, are still a little bit of a mess. I think their defense as a whole is still not overly good. Um, and then you look at the offensive side of the ball, they got two really good receivers in Marvin Jones and uh, Kenny Galladay. Uh, the running back situation still a little up in the air because on Johnson really hasn't been that guy. And then they signed Adrian Peterson, which to me tells me that either Swift is still not overly healthy or hasn't been impressive. I don't know what the deal is there. But, you know, obviously the big key for the Lions is keeping Matt Stafford healthy. Um, but I think – the Lions' bigger issue is not as much talent because I don't think they're a bad team in that regard, but I think a lot of their issues come with coaching. And Matt Patricia is just not a very good head coach. And, you know, it's like he was supposed to be that defensive guru that came over from New England and, you know, they're doing it the Patriots way. And as we've seen, the only team that can do it the Patriots way is the Patriots. And, you know, I could be wrong here and Trubisky could come out and, you know, throw a duck and, you know, it could be an issue and, you know, the, the defense gets caught on their heels and Stafford lights them up. 
But I think the more realistic scenario when we're looking at week one is I think the Bears are the better team, and I think the Bears still have their number. Not a lot has changed. And I think, more importantly, Trubisky has their number. I mean, if you look at his his numbers, you know, career numbers against the Lions, I mean, he's 3-2, and two and he averages pretty close to 275 yards a game, two touchdowns, stuff like that. But if you look at his last three games against them – I mean, he has been really damn good. Two of those three games, he's had over 300 passing yards. Uh, he's in two of those three games, he's had uh, over, I think, three total touchdowns. I mean, it just Trubisky's played. If there's one team that Trubisky's played consistently well against, it's been the Lions. So I, I look at it, and obviously anything can happen. Week one, week one's always a weird situation. I mean, just look at the the Lions game from last year. They pretty much handled Arizona all the way through the game. And then Arizona kind of snuck back in and then ended up tying it in overtime and then it ended in a tie. So it's going to be very interesting to see how both teams show up. I think that it's nice in the fact that there will not be any fans. And obviously I'm sure Detroit's going to have to have, you know, are going to try to force some sort of home field advantage. I'm really hoping that kicking doesn't make the difference in this game because as most people probably know by now, Eddie Pinheiro's on IR and Cairo Santos is probably going to be the uh, week one through three kicker at this point. Uh, I guess that's the only nice thing about injured reserve this year is that you only have to place a player on there for three weeks. So it, it's, I, I still like the bears matchup. I still think the bears are going to win. I'm hoping that's not blind optimism because I've, felt like they've had some pretty winnable games in week one. I mean, they haven't won week one since 2013, the first year of Trestman. So, I mean, that just kind of gives you an idea how long it's been. I mean, they're definitely overdue. And again, I think they're a better team than the Lions. I think they match up well against the Lions. And I think really, in my opinion, I think the, the big key for them is going to be getting off to a good offensive start and putting some points on the board early and getting that offense a little flustered within the first few drives of the game. I, I think that's really going to be the big key for the Bears. And, again, I think the Bears are better. I think the Bears are uh, better coached. And with home field advantage not really being a thing and with them being indoors and all that stuff, I, I, I think the advantage, even though I know the line moved, uh, you know, the line's favored by three, um, I, I still think the, the Bears are going to win this game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Bears are the better team, and you look at the success that Mitchell Trubisky's had uh, against them. I'm pretty sure that should continue. Um, I'm just, I'm just interested to see how the Bears are going to look coming out early on, and if Trubisky struggles at all. Some other news about that game, though. You mentioned one of the injuries already is that Eddie Pinero's on IR. He will not kick for at least three games. They're going to go with Cairo Santos as the kicker, which that worries me a little bit. Um, you know, Santos got a good start to his career and then has kind of struggled over the past couple of years, splitting time with a couple of different teams, including Chicago, uh, the famous Carlos Santos, as uh, John Fox likes to refer him to. But some other injury news, you know, we don't know the stats of David Montgomery. And Montgomery was, you know, originally noted as a two to four week growing injury. We haven't heard anything since then. Um, Cordell Patterson was listed as a wide receiver on the unofficial depth chart. So it'll be interesting to see what Montgomery is listed as on the first um, uh, first injury report of the week, which comes out tomorrow after the Bears practice. I think there's a slim chance he could play. However, I think I'd lean more towards the Bears using Tariq Cohen, Patterson, uh, and Ryan Nall as their backfield. That worries me a little bit because there's not really a true running back back there that I trust. Um, I think that's an area where the Lions could kind of exploit the Bears on defense. And if the Bears can't get that run game going and put it all on Mitchell Trubisky, you know, it could be a little bit of a problem for Chicago early on. Now, 
flipping it over, the Lions are going to have a healthy Matt Stafford entering the season. Um, Stafford played in eight games last year before suffering a season-ending injury. And, you know, their offense is is good. We can't, you know, can't deny that. They have the ability to go down the field with, with their passing attack. They have two good receivers in Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Um, TJ Hawkinson is an interesting tight end for me. If he has a big breakout year, uh, that'll do wonders for the Lions' offense. However, I mean, they're going to be missing one of their starting tackles. Their offensive line does struggle, and I think this is an area where the Bears' pass rush could really make a big difference. If they can get to Stafford, not let him get into a rhythm, not let him set his feet and pick apart the defense, you know, it should mean good things for the Bears uh, on Sunday. The other big news before we kind of make our predictions here, I know you saw it today, Aaron, but no shocker, Jalen Johnson is going to be the starting defensive back opposite of Kyle Fuller. Yeah, and I, I think, I, at least in my mind, I, th- I thought that move was pretty well signaled because uh, we really haven't even covered cuts, and we really don't need to because, I mean, it's a few days old. But Kevin Dolliver's not on the team. Not only, And that's, that's the one thing that I thought was interesting. And kind of I, We talked about it last podcast where I don't believe that the Bears were ever, especially going into this year, were ever overly trusting in Tolliver. And I think that said a lot when you bring in a guy like Artie Burns on a vet minimum deal and he's your number one corner out of the gate because Jalen Johnson's still rehabbing. And then all of a sudden Jalen Johnson's fully cleared and looks like, you know, he's good to go. And then, you know, Kevin Toller is not even on the team. He signed with the Denver practice squad. I mean, that just kind of gives you an idea of, you know, how they felt about him. And I think that to me, it's still a little bit of a gamble um, with their cornerback depth right now. I, I know they like Kendall Vildor. I know, you know, he's, he's 5'10", so he's a little on the short side. He does have long arms. I will be very curious, and I don't think it's going to happen this week, but I'll be very curious to see if after week one when contracts become not guaranteed anymore if you sign a free agent, if they go after somebody like a Prince of Mukamara or something like that. I mean, I guess Marquis Christian, could slot in at one of those corner positions, although he's more of a nickel and uh, a safety than than he is anything else. And then again, but I mean, you look at what they have right now, and Sherrick McManus isn't really an outside corner either. I mean, he played nickel when he filled in for Bryce Callahan. So you got a situation right now where unless you're projecting Vildor um, outside, and then again, you're still relying on not a second round rookie that has a pretty good track record, but a more unproven fifth-round rookie in Vildor. I mean, they really don't have anything on the outside. You're not going to play Duke Shelley on the outside. You could move Buster Screen outside, but we had that conversation last week. I don't think it makes much sense to move your best nickel outside and hurt two positions for the price of one. It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I am happy about that. I am curious, though, um, because obviously we did see the unofficial depth chart and the one thing that did stand out to me, which I was a little surprised about, is uh, Tashawn Gibson is slotted as the starting safety next to Eddie Jackson. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I kind of feel like Deion Bush is still going to get a decent amount of snaps, and it honestly wouldn't shock me if he's out there for the first snap uh, defensively on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't shock me either. I think, you know, when people look at this depth chart, technically it is unofficial. I mean, they have to just put one out there to put one out there. So it really wouldn't shock me if Gibson – or um, I'm sorry, Deion Bush was the starter and got most of the reps – uh, I, I don't read too much into the depth chart. Obviously, the Jalen Johnson part happened to be true. Uh, however, I mean, the Bears could go with, with the interchanging safeties. They could kind of rotate both of them in. I am very curious on what they're going to do, though, with, with um, the defensive back rotation if Jalen Johnson struggles or if there is an injury. I mean, you mentioned a few names there. The, the one that I think would make the most sense, I don't know if they'll do it, though, 
is um, shifting Buster's screen out to the outside, but then you kind of have a hole at um, in the slot because I, I just don't think Duke Shelley's played well enough this offseason to, to warrant moving in there and starting. Kendall Vilder is another guy, like you mentioned, that you know, to kind of keep an eye on. So, yeah, there, there are some important storylines, and I think that, you know, the defensive backs is one of the top ones uh, outside of quarterback because we'll see what they have at safety with Deion Bush. I expect him to get most of the reps. I think, you know, just listing Gibson might have been some gamesmanship from Matt Nagy. And then looking at Jalen Johnson, I'm excited for Johnson. I think I'll have a good game. He seems like a guy that kind of knows what he's going up against. He's already studied the tape against the Lions. He knows what they like to do going down the field, things like that. And, and, you know, the thing with Johnson, he's physical. He's a physical corner. He's not afraid to bump and run. He's not afraid to play off. And he kind of brings a lot of confidence and swag that I think will fit right in with this Bears defense. Um, Aaron, before we wrap things up, though, you know, last year we did this before every game. We gave our prediction and our X factor. Uh, We'll continue on with that this year. I'll let you go first with a score and an X factor for the Bears and Lions. So I'm going to go 24-20 Bears. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Bears defense is better. I think the Bears are just better all the way around. Uh, I think it's probably going to be a close game. It's going to be one of those when it ends. I think everybody's going to take that collective sigh of relief, celebrate a little bit, and then, you know, have a have a little bit of a nervous breakdown. I don't know. It just feels like one of those games that's going to be close. Uh, but I, I feel like the Bears are due for a week one win. And, I again, I just think the Bears are a better coach team. And I think they're a better all-around team. As far as my X factor goes, it's got to be Trubisky at this point for me. I mean – it's one of those situations where the Bears have beat the Lions four times in a row, and three of those four games, Trubisky's been the quarterback, and three of those four games, he's put up pretty good numbers. So I, I think it's one of those situations if he can perform against the Lions like he normally performs against the Lions, I unless the defense has a massive, massive letdown, I don't see how the Bears don't win this game. I mean, obviously, he's he's going to be that X factor for me because you don't know what you're going to get out of him coming out of this quarterback competition, how much he's improved. But if you can get the same product that you got from him the last two years against Lions, I think the Bears are in really good shape. Yeah, I also think the Bears are going to win. I'm going to go with a little bit of a lower score. I'm going to say Bears 16, um, Lions 13. I will say I, I do really think Mitchell Trubisky is important and one of the biggest X factors. But for me, I'm going to go with um, Chicago's pass rush. I think, you know, with, with – the Lions missing a couple guys on that offense. I think the Bears could take advantage, especially Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn. I'm, I'm very excited to see Robert Quinn out there alongside Cleo Mack. I think last couple seasons here, you know, the Bears really haven't had a legit pass rush option outside of Mack, and teams have been able to focus in on him because uh, Leonard Floyd just wasn't getting the quarterback. I don't think that'll be this, the, the case this year. I think Robert Quinn's going to get to the quarterback. I think he's going to make a big difference. I think having Akeem Hicks up front, um, healthy is going to be key. I'm going to go with the Bears pass rush, make things, you know, life difficult on uh, Matthew Stafford, force him to get the ball out quicker than he wants, and maybe make some decisions he doesn't want that can lead to some turnovers in the Bears secondary. Either way, Aaron, we both have the Bears winning. Let's hope that's true as we come back next week to recap everything and preview week two against the New York Giants. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter at, Aaron? Man, it feels good that the season is finally here. I will just right? say that much. Yeah. So you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL. Um, you can also read my work on thebearreport.com. Yes, you can follow the Bear Report on Bear, at, on Twitter at Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Z, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. I just cannot speak today, man. It's been a long weekend. So, um, But no, you can follow, read my work on, on the Bear Report. And until next time, everyone, stay safe.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.